0: hello and welcome to heifer productions the 12 ghosts this is the series where we bring to you 12 ghost stories from around yorkshire these ghost stories are all told in aid of fair share the excellent charity that delivers surplus food to food banks through yorkshire and the uk we hope you enjoy these stories and perhaps you might want to consider sleeping with the light on tonight guy trash Read
1: by Richard Calder Walk in the Pennine Way when the rain hit A harsh, relentless rain that only the North can produce A driving downpour that soaked the ground black and sucked the light out of the day I struggled against the blasting wing Occasionally seeking shelter under a solitary tree Whilst trying to tune into weather reports on my pocket radio crackling stuttering voices said that it was the worst conditions of rainfall that had had in the past 10 years. I tried to stick to the high ground knowing that there would be floods in the valleys below, channels of rushing water cut through rock and heather thundering down into invisible depths. My clothes clung to me like a second skin, my days dogged with an oppressive dampness that permeated my very being as I traversed hard, and even more than one foot after another. For three days I watched my boots climb and slip over the ground. The noise of the rain was like static, a dense soundscape that was the backdrop to my days and dreams. When night fell and the last drops of rain finally soaked into the ground, the remaining silence was profound, peaceful, yet strangely ominous. I continued onwards for a time, goaded by a strange feeling, a sneaking sense of anticipation, as though my subconscious was preparing me for what would follow. I pitched my tent that night, after eating baked beans from a can and having a few nips of whisky before falling into a deep sleep. I awoke the next morning to silence, unfastened the door of my tent, expecting to see the horizon for the first time in days. Instead, I was in met by an impenetrable white fog that rendered anything more than a metre or so away utterly invisible. At first, it felt strangely serene, almost as though I had awoke in a dense cloud. I sat in my tent and ate an apple for my breakfast, all the while telling myself that the sod fog would soon clear and I would be on my way. But this did not happen. After waiting for an hour or so, it was clear that the conditions weren't improving. If anything, the fog seemed to thicken and draw closer to me. The visibility grew even worse, and soon it was though only the ground at your feet was visible. My heart rate started to pick up. I told myself to be proactive, get moving. Sure, if I go to higher or lower ground, things would improve. I hurriedly packed my tent and things and made the first tentative steps into the white nothingness. I checked my compass and map, decided on the direction of travel, and put one foot in front of the other. I'd been walking for about an hour when I realised the birds had stopped singing. Birdsong had been the backdrop to my entire trip, my only travel companion. There was something so cheerfully resilient about the birds going about their business, despite the horrible conditions that dogged my days on the moors. But now there was nothing, not a sound. I couldn't say why, but this realisation threw me into a terrible panic. My chest grew tight and my hands clenched involuntarily. My face quickened, my legs almost involuntary, and I soon was running and tripping over the terrain, racing head-on into the white abyss. I ran and ran, yearning to escape the fog, but soon my feet touched not upon solid ground, but air. In that instant, I knew I was falling. I instinctively reached out around me, flaying wildly. Somehow my fingers found a clump of heather, and thankfully it held fast, my legs swinging beneath me. I had no idea how far the drop beneath me was, and I tried not to ponder this as I desperately dragged myself up. The smell of heather now overpowering and sickly sweet in my nostrils. I struggled and struggled until finally I heaved a leg over the ledge and rolled away from the edge. I'm not sure how long I laid there, my chest heaving as I tried to catch my breath. Eventually I pulled myself together enough to get to my feet, and took small, cautious steps, in the hope of finding my way again. But with every few steps, I seemed to reach another ledge. I had no idea which way I had come from, and every direction I turned seemed to lead to a drop. What was I going to do? I sat down and put my head between my knees, taking deep breaths of air whilst I tried to get a grip. The sound was so faint at first, I wondered whether I had heard anything at all. There was the slightest rustling of foliage, a rhythmic padding sound which, the more I focused on it, seemed to be growing louder and louder. Soon there were more sounds, a clicking and scratching, of something scraping over rock and the snapping of twigs and vegetation. These sounds oscillated around me rather than coming from a fixed location, and I turned my head rapidly to try and catch a glimpse of whoever or whatever might be there. It was Hutan. The fog revealed nothing. Then I heard something drawing breath. Whatever it was had stopped and the sound emanated from five or six feet in front of me. A steady inhale and exhale, inhale, exhale. Hello? My voice sounded alien, as though it came not from me but from elsewhere. There was no answer, just the sound of grass underfoot as whatever it was drew slightly closer. Inhale, exhale. Inhale, exhale. It was more like a slow, measured panting. And as I heard the unmistakable slap of a tongue against teeth and a low growl, I knew then this was not man, but beast. It must have picked up my scent and fixed on me when I called out. I knew I must be invisible in this fog. I couldn't see it, so it must not be able to see me. If I just stayed quiet and absolutely still, I would be safe. I tried not to breathe. I stared into the blank white and knew instinctively that it was doing the same. I'll never forget what happened next. The white vista was pierced by two small points. Tiny at first, yet unmistakable. Two red dots that as the seconds passed grew and grew. They flickered and glowed as if hot and were the size of two burning coals in a roaring fire. They were eyes and their stare bore into me with intensity. I was frozen in terror, yet mesmerised. I felt myself being drawn in, but could not look away. I'm not superstitious, in fact I consider myself a sceptic. I've turned the events of that day over again and again in my mind, but I have no rational explanation. Something passed between me and those fiery eyes that day. The longer we stared at one another, the more distinct the impression became. A sensation, something innate and primal, began to warm my body and told me that I didn't need to worry and that things would be okay. It told me to follow, and if I did, I would find safety. I trusted that sensation implicitly and without question. The eyes drew back into the mist and grew smaller. I walked towards them, step after step, do my best to keep them in sight. Occasionally they disappeared from view, and in that moment the fear would start to stir once again in my stomach. But again the eyes would appear, and whatever it was had realized I'd fallen by the wayside that returned to help me catch up. I have no idea how long I followed those burning eyes, blindly trusting their intentions but at some point my boots hit a road and I could see headlamps of a car making their way towards me. I looked about me, but the burning eyes were gone. The vehicle stopped and I climbed into the passenger seat of an old land road that creaked with every bump in the road. The man driving, my best guess, a farmer, barely acknowledged me. He picked me up without a word as if it was the most natural thing in the world. His eyes didn't leave the road, and he muttered something about off always getting lost. Undeterred, I spoke nonsense almost non-stop so completely relieved to have escaped what I was certain would have been an unpleasant end. I talked and talked about where I'd come from, where I was going and what I hoped to do next. Talking and talking to fill the silence. The farmer just didn't say a word, just focused on the road with steely resolve. In fact, the only time anything I said seemed to make an impression was when I decided to swallow my pride and, at the risk of sounding like a madman, tell them about my encounter with the strange eyes. I was so involved with the retelling of my experience, that it took me a while to realise that he slowly applied the brakes and the Land Rover had pulled to a stop. I finished my account and turned to find the farmer staring back at me with hard eyes and a strange expression. An expression that betrayed something lingering beneath his hard exterior. It was fear. He was afraid. He eyed me for a while, saying nothing, before finally nodding as though satisfied that I was telling the truth. That's the guy trash lad. We'd better see to it that she knows we're grateful. With that, he jumped out of the Land Rover and stalked round to the back. There was a rustling sound, as if he'd pulled something from a bag and walked over to the side of the road. He hastily hung something on a fence post and then got back behind the wheel. As the engine roared to life, I caught sight of three dead rabbits strung to the fence with a piece of twine. We drove on in silence, and when the fog finally began to clear, the first glimmer of light appeared on the horizon like a silver band dividing the earth from sky.
0: Thank you for listening to The Twelve Ghosts. All of these stories are in aid of fair share. You can give to our Just Giving page at www.justgiving forward slash Heifer Productions. Heifer is H-E-I-F-E-R. Please do give as generously as you are able and we hope to see you again.